What's going on, everybody? Cheers. Happy Wednesday or whatever day of the week it is when you're watching this or listening to this. Welcome to the With Her Two Hands podcast, where each week we sit down with an incredible woman who builds, fixes, makes the things that make the world go around with her own two hands. I am your host, Bogey, and you might notice that I'm not in my usual filming location today. I am at the shop, and that is because guest for this week actually just recently moved to Phoenix and therefore we had the opportunity to do it in person. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome guys. Um, before we jump in, I do want to thank our sponsor for this week's episode. Drive Time has been a longtime sponsor of this series and I'm always grateful to have their support not just for this series, but for their support for women in the trades in general and all of the work they do behind the scenes to support women in the trades and just the trades in general. So if you're looking for a new job or you're looking for a new car or a new used car, new to you, I think is what they call it, right? Um, go check out Drive Time. Um, but for now, I want to jump in and introduce you guys to Tamara Robertson. If you don't know who she is, you should, um, but you're going to get to hear her story and how she got to where she is now. I'm going to mangle explaining what you do. So I'm going to wait. I have to actually, I have to try to do it because we were making fun of the fact that like nobody can get it right. No. <laughs> so she does a lot of things and she does a lot of things really phenomenally well, but officially you are a OSHA certified chemical and biomolecular engineer, right? You did it. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and on top of that, she's a maker and a fixer and a builder and a doer and an engineer and all of the things. And you do a ton of awesome stuff. Mm -hmm. So tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, most people that uh, know me already know me because I got to spend a little time in their living rooms uh, <laughs> during Mythbusters, Mythbusters Research and Junior, as well as a really fun uh, science prank show called um, Sidejinx. Uh, but before that, long before that, you know, I became an engineer. Uh, I have worked in corporate America doing everything from designing and building vaccines facilities to making it so we have less waste and landfills with plastics, um, all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, but where my heart and passion is now is really reconnecting hand and brain. You know, I, I grew up as a tinkerer with my dad. I was behind a duck and engines. And I just want people to realize that both the STEM and the trades pathways are valuable paths. Yeah. So, so I'm really excited to dig into this because for a number of reasons, like, because often there's like this separation between STEM mm -hmm. and the trades. Yes. And you've, been really working on bridging those two and and I'm curious how you bridged it personally but also like how we can collectively bridge it because you know for me it's common sense if you're an auto mechanic you're working on computers you're working with your hands you're building things you're making yep. things you're in a STEM career but when you hear people talk about STEM careers they're not talking about mechanics they're talking about white collar STEM careers you are professionally a white collar STEM career mm -hmm. person but you also do a lot of the blue collar stuff mm -hmm. And you've bridged both of those gaps. And you said you grew up as a tinkerer. So why did you wind up going the path? Because normally they don't meet. Like the, It's like you choose one path and you stay on that and that's it. So I'm fascinated by this for multiple reasons. So I want to go back in time. Like, let's go back into history. What's your origin story? Oh, gosh. So why? it's great. <laughs> why did you go down the route you went? As a superhero <laughs> scientist, I'm very happy that you want to know about my origin of story. Of course. <laughs> um, but so it's actually really funny that you ask 
about the history because I kind of joke that I got really lost on the way to graduation. So mm-hmm. I grew up to two military pa- parents in a no stoplight town in the deep South. Okay. Um, and so my dad, my dad and mom were both Marines. So okay. my dad was a walk in the park compared to my mom. She was WM in the eighties. She fought her way tooth and nail for everything she earned. Okay. Um, but my dad was deployed a lot. So like when he would come home, he would do odd jobs. And so my mom's like, take her. She's taking everything apart and has no idea how to put it back together. And I can't deal with it. Like, (laughs) so I got to go and pull wires and um, houses that he would be flipping. I got to like reach into engines and get parts that he would drop in, you know, tiny hands are probably the best tool that you can have in a shop. Yeah. Like, um, why aren't women more welcome in the shop? We are such like, an asset with these little hands. We can we can get in everywhere, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but so it's one of those things that uh, tinkering was always this fun thing that, you know, I did with dad. It was I, play. I got, uh, yeah, it was play. I got the best apprenticeship program without realizing I was getting it. But I never had anyone connect the dots to that being even able to be a trade skill. Like, I didn't even know about the trades. I didn't know about STEM. I didn't know about any of these paths. Yeah. And so when actually when I was a junior in high school, I received a full appointment to the Air Force Academy and I was going military. Oh. Um, and it was only because of my senior year, my childhood asthma caused me to be medically flagged that I had to like last minute, like be like, okay, what am I going to do? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the local tech school. I'm going to get a history major and go into JAG and still do the military thing. Cause I still at this time had not connected that I could do what I loved and did every day in the shop with dad as a career in any way. And so I was a sophomore in college before I had a teacher sit me down. And she, of course, based on my math and science um, scores, was like, why aren't you going into engineering? Mm. I laughed and said, girls, don't do that. I only knew Scotty from Star Trek, right? And so she was a female engineer, so that went over real well. Um, and so it was great, though. She she opened up this pathway for me that we went into. Now, of course, in my head, I still thought, okay, now I'm going to get to play with tools. Mm. And so I was super excited <laughs> and in college, you know, you're in the lab and you're getting to play with all the machinery. And I was like rebuilding bio, bio plants for the school and all of these things. And I'm like, this is great. I could do this forever. And then I graduated yeah. and suddenly they wanted me to fly a desk. And I was really lucky that my first engineering role was a Greenfield startup like a week after groundbreaking, we started building a facility. And so I got to be very hands-on, tools-on, on the ground. But very quickly, because of the advancement that that led to in my right. career, it took me away from the shop and it yeah. took me away from the tools. And I, at 28, was sitting on an executive board reporting to a CEO and a great white collar career miserable because I wasn't touching tools. Interesting. That's fascinating to me for so many reasons. I mean, the, like not ever being exposed to it, like that is 100% my story too. Like I, I liked playing with things. I liked puzzles. They do the aptitude test. I was talking with a woman on, on a couple episodes ago, she did the aptitude test and they saw that she was really good with her hands and they came back with, we think you would be a great mortician. And she's like, uh, you're good with your hands, but not with people. Right, you but they don't, don't like, take away from the live one. <laughs> but like, it's it like doesn't occur to people to introduce hands-on trades to a lot of young people of all these days yeah. at all, but definitely not young women. Yeah. Um, it wasn't exposed to me, even though I took shop class. 
it was never connected the dots that this could be a career path that this could be something that I could do. But then it's also such a tell that when you were finally exposed to it, you were exposed to the white collar side. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you like working with your hands? Cool. Go be an engineer, even though that's not no really the same thing at all. And why we still have such a huge disconnect where guidance counselors and teachers are not putting these career paths forward as viable options. It's still like usually frustrating to me. It, it is. And so as someone that's that's managed large teams of, of engineers, I can also say that the ones that you get that only went the STEM pathway. Mm-hmm. And so they're the ones that, you know, they're they're in the the STEM clubs and they're doing the, the STEM groups and all that, which is great. It's valuable. They come into the workforce with an inability to actually fully understand what they're asking their teams to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. They design things and you look at them and you go, that's really great, but that <laughs> tiny motor is never going to actually have the torque that it needs to move this entire assembly. Like, I, I know that you think like this has worked calculations wise, but have you ever actually seen a motor? Have you ever touched one? Right. You know, and it is something that there is so much value. And, and I hate like shop class, like we, as a girl, I was not, a, I, I had to do home ec, um, in my town. Um, so like shop class, I was not allowed in. I think they were worried I would be better than them. Um, but it, it was yeah. one of those, you know, <laughs> it was one of those things though, that like, losing that piece like we we have an we have entire generations now that, that don't even know how to change a tire or yeah. they, they don't know how to fix a table if it breaks they don't some you know there's so many people that i know yeah. that don't even know how to hang their curtains yeah male and or female male and female no it's it's across the yeah. board and it's it's one of those things that losing that one single class that they were like oh it's no big deal we'll get rid of you know home ec and we'll get right. rid of um shop class we've lost this like knowledge base and skill set base that really it leads to so much more than right. just being able to take care of yourself like it leads to critical thinking it leads, leads to invention it leads to evolving our society as a whole beyond yeah. where it is no 100 because without the doers and the makers and the builders and the fixers of things nothing gets done nothing gets done like nothing works nothing, nothing functions everything comes to a screeching halt like I, I talk about this often you guys have probably heard me say this story before but like i was in new york at 9 11 after 9 11 and there was this brief moment in time when the world had appreciation for doers and makers and fixers. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like there was this, this real moment where there was respect for the trades folks. And I was like, this is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I hope this lasts. And of course it didn't, but it's, um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I, although, so you weren't allowed to take shop class. We're the same age ish. I think mm-hmm. actually, I think I might be a little bit older than you, but, um, I was allowed, but that's cause I was in a bigger city. You were, you were straight up told you were not allowed. No, to. like it was not like the girls were home ec and the boys were shop. It was a interesting. very interesting, like, yeah. Pipeline diversion. Yeah. There. I was the second in my high school's history to have a girl to be in shop class. Second girl in history. Um, but I was allowed. It was just strongly discouraged. Yeah. But now they don't have the program at all. And to your point, which right? is heartbreaking, <clears throat> it, it it absolutely is. I mean, and and I will say, like to what I was trying to get back to, and yeah. I forgot to because yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> is um that the the engineers, the young engineers that I have worked with, that actually like grew up just on farms or working mm-hmm. with their parents or like doing these odd jobs, 
they hit the ground running faster. And it's because, because they, they have, have that ability to critically think through it. And then also then the resource for the tools yeah. to take it further with like the computational programming side yeah. of they need to, you know, so yeah. there's value to so, having both to grit together. So why do you think, and, and do you think it's changing? You're more on the STEM side than I am. So you can maybe speak to this better. Do you think it's changing where, where STEM is starting to include more broadly any of these hands-on sorts of skills or is STEM still really super focused math science? I think that there's been a really cool evolution lately where the T and the E are starting to expand like technology and like the engineering side are starting to not just be like, are you an engineer that is sitting at a desk somewhere running large programming and algorithm algorithms but are you an engineer that's like on the floor? Are you a technician that's on the floor? Are you a mechanic that's on the floor? Yeah. Are you working with your hands and with the machinery? Um, I've also seen, you know, there's a lot of places where instead of saying STEM, they'll say STEAM and yeah. the A will get a lot of uh, like our maker community and right. which I love work. You know, I, I speak with all the, the fabricators and makers around the globe and like, that's kind of where they always feel like they can like sneak in. And I'm yeah. like, you guys are everywhere. You're in the T, you're in the E, you're, you know, we are we are everywhere yeah. right and and makers i think have done a really great job of finding a space mm -hmm. in stem or steam however we want to call it i still never feel like as a mechanic or as a car builder like fixing cars is is stem all the way yeah. building a car right oh, yeah. like that is engineering at its mm -hmm. you know at its finest. granted i'm not like a real engineer i'm a i think that'll fit kind of girl. That's, that's um, most engineers. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, Good enough for government work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think it'll fit. And if it doesn't, I think I'll make it fit. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. Um, but, but there's still like this look down upon like this, like blue collar versus white collar, the esteemed jobs versus the non-esteemed jobs. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a really interesting thing. It is. It's, um, it's probably one of the biggest problems that I get into is I have parents that'll come up to me at events and they're mm. like, my kids aren't paying attention in class and I, I need their math and science scores higher. Will you talk to them? And I'm like, sure, bring them over. And I, and the first thing I do is I go, so what do you enjoy doing? And nine times out of 10, they're enjoying tinkering with something, building something, inventing. And I have to turn to the parent and be like, um, close your ears. And I instead teach them about apprenticeships and the yeah. trades and skilled pathways. And this year, actually, uh, in the Catskills at Makers Camp, we do an event every October. Um, at I had a parent walk up to me and he's like, I want you to know that my son graduated with his trade certificate as a machinist and Yay. he's happier than he's ever been. And oh. I'm happy that I got out of his way like you told me to. That's and I'm like, really well, I didn't tell you to do awesome. this. But yeah, I just told you to maybe <laughs> listen to him, you know. But he he was a very gifted young machinist and right. he has done that's awesome. So well. That is we spent so such a long time as a society, like judging everybody by the same standards of intelligence instead mm -hmm. of looking at like different types of intelligence. Like we're not all smart in the same way. No. And that's okay. Cause mm -hmm. God, how boring of a world would it be if we we're all smart in the same way? It would be really boring. Be really boring. Yeah. So like you like, how are you smart? How are you talented? And there's lots of different ways to do that. Yeah. So. It's that old saying, if you judge a fish how by how it climbs a tree, we'd think stupid fish, right? I so. think fish are kind of stupid. I mean, <laughs> I, 
I feel like they've got that gift of like rose colored glasses since they reset every okay, couple fair. minutes. Okay, right? Fair, like, fair, fair. And I did read a study recently that said that the average human intelligence is actually a shorter, not intelligence, attention, attention span, span shorter. is shorter than a goldfish. Yeah. So, um, thanks to social media and modern technology that we officially have a shorter attention span than goldfish. Yay. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get castles awesome. and little beads <laughs> to spit out too. Anyway. All right. Back on track. We are both clearly squirrel <laughs> rabbit hole. Yes. Um, so, okay. So when, when did the, the shift happen? So you're, you're writing the desk, you're being an engineer, yeah. you're miserable. What's next? Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was an interesting thing. So all, all throughout my engineering career, I was working with like women in leadership programs. So as a chemi, we're 23% um, women. Women. Okay. Uh, and but most of us won't industry. get past, you know, mid-management. Um, they'll be out of the pipeline. So throughout my, my career, I had been looking at like, how do we get you know, more girls into our, the engineering curricula first? How do we get more girls into our initial like hiring years? How do we, how do I get more of my, you know, female staff to want to be supervisors, to want to be managers? Yeah. Um, and so I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, and in, in 2015, I got to this point where, you know, I had hit my goal of, of reporting into a CEO before 30, I was 28 and I was launching this global division and I was the only female for three tiers of management. And I was like, this problem is way too big. And so when the company, cause the company, um, the whole like job of the company was to grow it fourfold, flip it and sell it. And okay. so when we did, I had the opportunity to either join the investment firm, stay with the company or take a severance. And I was like, you know what? I want to spend a year going into classrooms and talking to kids and being, and, and finding out how to get them all the way in elementary school, all the way through and how to start stop gapping these big pipeline um, bleeds. Yeah. And so it was during that time uh, I gave myself a year and almost a year to the day, the Mythbusters franchise found me and okay. invited me to come and compete. Awesome. Uh, and I became the only female finalist and only okay. two MVP winner. And then it just kind of opened this floodgate of being able to really talk to kids all over Amazing. the world. Yeah. Amazing. What, what have been your takeaways thus far? I want to talk about Mythbusters a little bit. Obviously we have yeah. to talk about uh, Mythbusters. I'd be remiss <laughs> in my duties as an interviewer if I didn't ask you about <laughs> Mythbusters, but um, I've got to like in your, in your wanting to kind of like get to the pipeline and talk to kids of all ages. And I know you did that for the year, but you've yeah. been doing it since. Have there been big takeaways, like aha moments of like how we can fix this problem? It's, one of those things that I think we have, we do have to look at it as a pipeline issue. We can't look yeah. at it at any one stage. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, well, we just need to, we need to hire more of them. Well, if you don't have them, whether it's on the trade side or the right. STEM side trained, then you can't hire someone that right. doesn't exist. So you have to go sooner. Yeah. Um, and we have to also acknowledge that some of it isn't just the 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 lack of exposure but it's also the societal pressures you know like i grew up in a no stop white town i was a closeted maker for a very long time because you don't tell the debutante south that you'd rather be covered <laughs> in oil and grease than makeup you know though they're the basically closeted. the same thing guys it's all chemistry it is the um, closeted maker i like that you know, you, I still wear makeup. It's just grease. It's yeah. like motor oil yeah. and grease. It smells way better. It's too. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's exfoliating. You know, man, that, that this orange. Mm. Um, but it's, it was, it's one of those things that um, starting to realize that it, it's an exposure thing. It's a hands-on thing. 
but it's not, it's not just a hard skills thing either. It's a soft skills. It's coaching them through like, how do you be that only woman in that room? Or how do you navigate the fact that like, guess what? It's, it is still very much a man's world. And there are jokes that are told. And guess what? I'm one of the dudes when it comes to it, but I, you don't have to be right. like, where's you your line? Have to Where be. You, draw you should that. be able to yeah. draw your line. Um, and how do you have those boundary setting conversations in a way that is, is both, um, saving of you, but also is professional and yeah. in a way that doesn't lead to retaliation, which can happen in shops and, and, and some environments and everywhere else, you know, it can happen to the men just as quickly. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I have had is having the reverse conversation with the women and being like, you know, we really like to point the finger, but we don't like to acknowledge that when, when men reach the top, they turn around, they find men that, that look like them and they, they bring them up women for a very long time have turned around and started kicking with stilettos and we are not helping ourselves. The trope of catfighting women is alive and well in the trades and STEM and media and everywhere. And until we can start lifting each other up, like I have gotten more opportunities in life from allies and advocates that had daughters that they wanted to see the world change for than I have for my female managers and having toast toast because that's like a sad toast to that. But like, yeah, that's what has to change. 100%. And part of that is a mindset shift Mm -hmm. because for so long women were told there was only one seat or there was no seats. Right. Right. And actually, I think it was um, Missy Elliott that said this the best when Cardi B was coming up. They're like, aren't you worried she's going to take your spot? And she's like, she's not coming for my spot. She's coming for his spot and his spot. But it's like, right. In reality, we're makers and we just make a bigger table. Like we don't need to take anyone's spots. We need to bring the collective voices together. And so I think that we as ladies need to own our part in it too. We need to yeah. acknowledge our part in, in what has happened. And we also need to stop putting barriers in front of little girls because they don't know that the world doesn't want them somewhere and they will run and take it over. If we just stop telling them they can't. Yes. No, 100, 100%. It's, and it's not until they get older that they, that society teaches them that they, that they can't or that they shouldn't, or that they start thinking it themselves. Yeah. And you're right. It is a conditioning thing. Because we have for a long time been told there's only one seat at the table. And if it's not you, then you're screwed, right? Like, make sure it's you. Beat down all the rest of the competition. I remember when I was in tech school, I was one of very, very few women. Mm -hmm. And one of my professors, um, teachers, whatever you want to call them, um, he said, he sat us down one day and he was just talking crap. and, And he said something that pissed me off royally, but has stayed with me since. He said, you know what, boys? Women are actually the majority of people in our country. And the only reason why they're not in charge is because they can't figure out how to get along. And I was like, you asshole. Oh, but he's not wrong. But he's not wrong. And that's why, like, this is so important to me. Why these these po- this podcast series mm-hmm. is so important to me. Why the She Shed that we did at SEMA and, yeah. and Tamara was a part of, she came and she did a signing and she was there the whole week. And like, that's so important to me because it doesn't have to be that way. Nope, doesn't. Like, there's room different. for everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think too, there's also even 
again, this is like the, the lady thing, but like, there's this whole like, oh, you can't be a princess and be in the trades. Yes, you can just build your own castle. You can, you don't have to be a princess either. You can, you know, you can be a, a dungeon Lord, whatever you want to be, like be it, own it, just be it well, you know, yeah. like when I, when I showed up, you know, for, for the competition, like my only goal was to show the skills I had yeah. and to, to just be like, look, like I'll ask if right. I don't know, yeah. but until then, let me try. And that, that is actually, that's one other takeaway that I try to remind young women of when they're first coming into a shop in STEM environment is that those older, like males that are challenging them, they're challenging the young guys too. Mm -hmm. Cause I'll tell you what, if you walk into my shop and you want to use my tools, I, you're going to prove that you know how you're doing it before you even touch them. True. I don't care what gender you are. That tool right. is going to break just the same if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I don't want you to cut your fingers off. Well, yeah, I'm so not, I'm I don't gonna, want like, I'm going to watch you and it's not because I'm judging you because you're male or female. There's yeah. a difference. And I think that goes back to what you were talking about, like teaching them the soft skills of like how to yeah. deal with the boss that isn't friendly, how to deal with the, the crap talking and all the whatnot. And also how to differentiate between what is like, well-intentioned and and harmless and yes. would be happening to anybody and what is like truly gender-based discrimination. Yes. And that's sometimes hard to tell. It is. Um, it is one of those things that I, we have discussions about a lot, uh, especially with regards. So obviously we get very passionate about tools. We get very <laughs> passionate about I don't know like, about. We, <laughs> we just, we like them. <laughs> There can sometimes be a misconstruence that that passion and excitement is about the person conveying the skill. And that is not something that our male peers have to usually deal with. Um, and that is that is Explain something that, I, that. Get, uh, I get asked by young women a lot. Like they say, you know, I'll start to learn a skill from someone and I'll be really excited. And then suddenly they're wanting to show me a different tool. And it, and it's something that happens quite a lot. I mean, there there's a num there's way too many instances that it's come up after the fact and and podcast interviews I've done with young, even now young students. And it's something that it could be a peer, it could be a teacher, it could be any anyone in their lives that are that they're learning something from. But it is a hard balance, right? Because who doesn't want to like find someone that's into the same things they're into, sure. but it's a work environment. Right. And that's where learning that soft skill of being able to have that yeah. boundary setting conversation of like, Hey, like this is my work environment. I'm here to learn skills yeah. and that's all I'm here for. But giving them the strength to be able to say that and find that voice yeah. is something that it, you know, it takes time, especially when a lot of young women grow up without that voice. 100%. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And we could talk for hours about this yeah. particular topic. And yeah. maybe we should like go into some other topics because for sure. we're going to run out of time way faster than I like. These hours go by way too fast. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I last kind of point I want to chat on with that is like, how do we bridge this like both trying to get more people into the into the industries, into engineering, into the trades, mm -hmm. into all of these things, um, not losing that that like intuitive lack of fear that little kids have, right? Like they'll just go into they'll whatever, right? How do we keep them from losing that while simultaneously preparing them for the challenges that are ahead? And that's yeah, that's a hard conversation that I feel like I've been having with folks a lot. Is like how to be honest about like it's not all sunshine and fairy tales mm -hmm. right now. Like it is hard 
to be a woman in these industries. And yet I also want to encourage women to join these industries because they're kick-ass industries, they're kick-ass communities. I have a yeah. lot of fun, I've made a great life for myself. But yeah, it's like we... it's like how do you prepare them while also maintaining the hope? Yeah. And I think it's just it's being honest about where we're at, but also showing them where we can go and like talking to them about what solutions they think of and giving them that ownership and that onus of, of realizing that like, yeah, this is, this is how it is, but like, it doesn't have to be like, yeah. cause that's the coolest thing about being a maker. You see something that needs to be changed or fixed and you just go and do it. So everything in the world that applies to, whether it's people or situations, environments or yeah, machinery. So mm -hmm. it's, um, it isn't, it's, it's hard. There's, there's gotta be a lot of people in the village playing though. You know, yeah. it can't just be on the teachers. It can't just be on the parents. It, you no, know, it's, it's all of us. Cause it's all, it's all, it's all multi-layers of the same like tangled problem. But I, I like your idea of that mindset shift of like, it's, this is just another thing to make. This yeah. is just another thing to create and it's community and it's mm -hmm. change, but it's still making something. I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So, so you do your year of teaching. Yes and outreach and you get reached out to by Mythbusters. Yeah. How did they find you just from like? Oh my gosh, so it's so weird. <laughs> so um, I get bored very easily. No, I'm an <laughs> avid collector of skills is the way I'm supposed to market that is yes. what I was told. Um, and so I had always had this creative outlet, uh, and, and acting and just being on stage and being a ham, um, which, you know, is great when they want you to be in a lab and be quiet and you can't. Um, but so <laughs> I had, uh, a casting director that had known me when I was in engineering school, reach out, uh, hmm. out of nowhere and be like, I don't think that this thing is real. But if it's real and you don't apply, I feel like the world would be remiss. And like, I don't even, I've never had cable. I, I grew up okay. like with no television. Okay. Um, and so I knew Mythbusters because obviously in engineering school, you just sit and you binge and you're like watching with friends. But I thought the series was still going. Like I didn't even realize that they had retired it two okay. years before. So I fill out this like 15 page like questionnaire that's like everything from like how well do you sweep a floor to how well can you whistle can you weld all this stuff and um in the end like I do this video and I include this like photo and it's like the entire cast and then I like have me on there and I was like obviously another ginger is what this show needs um and so it became this like year and a half long process. I mean, they dwindled from like over 10,000 applicants to oh, 10 wow. of us. And they had, they lost some people because it turned out they had like lied about skills and things like that. So it was like a very interesting thing where that's why it kind of came down to the very day that I, like, I remember getting the call from them and being like, they're like, you're going to find out in like the next two weeks. I was like, cool. Well, I'm actually leaving for Denali tomorrow. So I'm going to be in the wilderness for 15 days. So I'm not going to find out in two weeks, but I hope the show goes really well for you guys. I don't even know that this isn't a prank still. Um, and like, they kind of, they were like, what? Uh, uh, and I like got off the phone and continued packing. And I got a call later that, that day from Dan Tester, the producer. And he's like, you don't know this, but we're going to call you and it's like, and send you a thing in two days and you have to do the background checker. We can't bring you. So like, just get out of Denali, find internet and do this. And I'm like, okay, oh my okay, gosh. let's see. But it was like, you know, it was kind of like, okay, turn that brain off and like figure out, like go, go back into corporate mode and figure all this stuff out. And so like, I remember walking, like walking onto the set 
and, and we filmed at 3210, which is old Lucasfilm Studios okay. up in San Rafael. And walking in and like everyone was like still pretty sure Ashton Kutcher was going to like jump out and be like, ah, you know, this isn't real. Um, but I remember one of the first things that I actually recognized was that there was two other women. So we were 30% of the applicants. Now, granted, they like Sarah went home the very first episode, which was like heartbreaking for all of us. And then Tracy and I were there um, up, up until like mid mid season. And then I was there till the end. Um, but it, it was one of those things that I was like, at least there's not just one of us. Um, but, you know, we all kind of came in with that goal of like, we don't even want to win the fact that we even get to be here. We're shocked at, yeah. and we just want to make <laughs> sure. Bless you. Thank you. That <laughs> bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> we just want to make sure that the young women at home see, see us holding our own with these guys. Yeah. You know, and the guys were so great. You know, it it is one of those things that it comes down to that that allyship just as much. Oh my Are gosh. you allergic I'm to so me? Sorry. Is it ginger? I'm not <laughs> allergic to gingers. I swear. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> love it. But um, but you know, the guys were incredible. They they let us own our builds, they let us own our things. They, they didn't try to undermine us. You know, it was a competition. So obviously there there is always that part of it going on. Yeah. But they supportive competition. Yeah. They were open to yeah. like seeing, okay, you're saying you can do this, like do it then. And right. then stepping in, if it was something that we're like, actually, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Um, of course, like our first build was building ejector seats in a car as a Trans Am. And my first like rebuild with my dad was an LT1 engine that we dropped in Trans Am. So I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I don't need you. Can you <laughs> get out of my car, please? <laughs> but so That's it was, awesome. it was a good adventure. It was, it was nice. a lot of fun. Um, the ending part was a little bit unexpected to be the the only two MVP winner and yeah. then not get it. But I honestly, I loved it in the fact that it gave me the ability to be like, SeaWorld, this is, this is the reality. This yeah. is literally the reality where we can have twice the accolades yeah. in a career field and still not get the job. So I think it was one of those things that while I was like, how do I, how do I look at little girls after this? It actually made it a little easier to be like, this is how it is right now, but this is why we're doing this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So. That sometimes that happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully there's a few brighter future. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, it, for me, it led to, you know, time on 2.0, Sidings and the Mythbusters yeah. Jr., which was my favorite. We had the six kids from across the nation. I taught all three young women how to weld before That's they left. Awesome. Their moms were terrified that first, but they let them do it. <laughs> the, the parents are always more scared There's, than the kids are. The kids, the kids are, like, are yeah. not scared at all. They're like, people are, I get parents all the time saying like, how do I get my kids interested in this stuff? I'm like, getting them interested is not the hard part. It's getting the parents in their life, generally speaking. Like it's, yeah. the, the kids are like, I, I get to cut metal with fire or I get to stick metal together with like, yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they love I'm it. I'm on board. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So you've been doing the TV thing. Have yeah. you like, like, did you see yourself doing that? I mean, you, you were a ham and you were kind of into that, but like, were you pursuing that kind of life? Cause um, you've kind of gone deep in that now. Yeah. So I had, so I had a commercial um, agent and I was doing that side of things theatrically. I never wanted to be myself on television. 
Oh, so and like, that's exactly what you did. And that's exactly what, <laughs> what I do now. Um, and, but it was interesting though, because in order to survive the competition series, mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of created this like motif of myself because people are mean. People are really mean mm -hmm. on the internet. People just be nice. Like, yeah, be nice. Yo. Be nice. No, most of the folks that watch the show, they're really, really awesome. I, I, mean, I love you guys. Obvious. All of our regulars. I love you guys. You're phenomenal. But like, it is, it is one of those things that you, you almost have to develop that thicker skin. So it's, um, it's harder. And I'm sure like, I would love to actually hear from you about how you, how you balance this. I find the hardest part is when I have a producer director that wants me to say something that isn't authentic, that is not authentic, but also undermines my credentials. Mm. So like I, I had this, this one instance where we were building cardboard boats okay, and they wanted me to say that it was the hardest build I had ever done in my life. And I looked at him and I said, I built a vaccines facility during a pandemic. I am a startup engineer. I am not going to say that a cardboard boat is what got me. And he's like, it's just television. I was like, my no. name is under that photo. Yep. And yep. so I would like, because you have obviously been doing this for so much longer. And obviously all of your certs are so it's, valuable. It's an interesting thing that you bring that up because that is definitely, and Faye on, on All Girls Garage, like we talk about that often and we've been, you know, accused of, oh, you're taking it too seriously. Like you, you care too much about what other people think of you. I'm like, no, 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 that's my reputation. Yeah. And, and especially as a minority in a field, mm -hmm. I feel like there is no way I'm going to undermine, at least not intentionally <laughs> or, or like with awareness, undermine my credibility because that is, TV is going to go away. Yep. But my reputation and my career, like that's all I have. So absolutely. I 100% feel that. And Faye and I are always having that conversation of like, when we're on set, like, is this going to look bad or are we okay saying this or doing this? And our production company is phenomenal. We're, we're great. And I'm spoiled. I've only worked with one production company, really. Yeah. Well, Hey, that means that they must've been a good fit though, career. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great. They don't, oh, they, you know, they don't sexualize it. They don't trivialize it. They, they've kind of made it a non-issue that we're women. I mean, yes, yeah. it's called all girls garage, but it's not really about that. Yeah. It's like just about us doing cool projects. And, um, and so for the most part, they're really understanding about that. And when we say like, we're not okay with saying X, Y, Z, they'll, they'll generally listen to us, but, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I know she's Faye has run into it with some other production companies she's worked with. Um, I've here and there run into it, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like not gonna, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. But people will say you're being too sensitive. Well, if we emote at all, <laughs> right, then we're too sensitive. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Heaven forbid we emote at all. <laughs> Which I mean, to be honest, though, like, I also feel bad for, for men because they can't emote either. Yeah. Like, and no. it's even harder for them, you know, like, no. so I, emotion overall, EQ is so important. Oh, and we've got a comment. Kudos to both of you for staying true to who you are, even on camera, especially on camera. Aww, thank you, Andrea. Thank you, we Andrea. love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not always easy, <laughs> no. but, uh, but thank you. It's, um, yeah, it's an, it's a really interesting thing. And, and I, I do feel bad for men too. I teach a class on, um, on kind of like shop culture. And one of the things that I talk about a lot mm -hmm. is how I'm so not okay with the shop hazing that goes on and like no. the, the belittling and the making fun of. And, and most of the time, the, the, the first moment when I actually get feedback and response from the, from the class 
from the students where they're like, oh yeah, I see that this is actually an issue is when I share stories about men who've left the industry because yeah. of the abuse. Um, and that's when they're like, oh, okay. So this isn't just a women being sensitive thing. This is like, we've mm -hmm. lost good men from our industries because of the hazing and the, the joke playing and the name calling yeah. and the, and the fact that you're not allowed to express emotions. Like it's not just women. We're just more likely to say it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and it, you see it in, in, in all industries too, you know, that, 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 that hazing, that loss of, of guys in STEM pathways and acting pathways, you know, we yeah. lost some incredible people for their, they get harassed just as much in different ways on the acting side of things. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's actually, yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't know that world. Yeah. 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 Okay. We've got more to talk about. Yeah, offline. we do. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> We're going to keep talking offline. Um, what time is it? Oh, we still have a little bit of time. Oh, yeah. This is exciting. Oh, okay. So after Mythbusters, after all of these reboots, what are you, what is, what are you filling your time with now? What is the bulk of what you're doing these days? Yeah. So it's interesting. So um, I continue working, uh, developing DNI pipelines with corporate 500 companies going in. What? Um, diversity and inclusion. Oh, okay. Pipe, sorry. Okay. Pipeline. So. <laughs> Kind of explaining to them how to actually talk to their people that they have gotcha. on the floor and, and how to keep them, how to keep them happy, how to understand what they're navigating. Um, because there is this beautiful thing, shift that is occurring where they're wanting it to change. They just don't know where to start. They don't know. You know? And so it, it is something that having seen it across the board um, in so many different industries, you can, you can leverage that same type of growth and change. Yeah. And, and more. And so um, I do everything from shooting massive columns of chemistries at International Code Council in front of firemen and hoping that I don't get in trouble to letting little kids throw fireballs while I talk to them about how superhero technology is like literally at their fingertips if they just start playing with tools. Um, and then, you know, I, I just travel to events and I, I, I teach it. women and kids how to weld and how to get hands on and dirty and fail. I tell them to fail fast and have fun and you know, it's, it's fun. So, um, it comes in lots of ways. I've got a STEM outreach comic. I've got the podcast, which you have to come and be on. Yes. Um, yeah, she has a podcast as well. So go check out hers. Where can people find information uh, about you yeah. and the podcast and all the things you do? We'll like, just do a side plug thing real quick. Oh yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram. It's, uh, at the real Tamara Robertson, I guess, you know, the fake ones were taken. Um, and, uh, all my links are there, <laughs> but, uh, the podcast is, uh, tinkering bells, bells, like, like the southerner not like the apparatus you can find it uh on everywhere that podcasts um are streaming and can be found and then uh i have seekers of science it's our science outreach comic uh where we tackle real world problems with real world scientists uh our nanoparticles do karate chop because it's a comic so uh but that's also and because nanoparticles should do karate chops right especially if Thank they're you. battling oil in the water uh -huh. <laughs> That's awesome. You do so many things. So many things. Of all the things that you do, what is your favorite? Can you like, is there like one thing where you're like, this is my happy place. This fills my cup. This lights me up. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I, there's like, there's I didn't like, prepare her for no, this question um, at all. I'm putting her on the spot. So 
it's funny because my like my first reaction is to say anytime I'm working with a kid and saying their aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's if it's not an aha moment through someone else's aha moment, it's when I'm literally just like nose to the stone, like trying to invent and figure out how to do something because I'm either being too cheap to buy the already made thing or it doesn't exist, right? Like I'm currently designing a safety shower for my shop and I refuse to spend (laughs) $1,100 on it. And so I'm like just designing out all of these crazy things. And like, that's, that's my happy place inventing, um, before the fabrication even begins, just like deep diving into like, well, what do they do in these other worlds that I can apply here and bring in? So it's your aha moments or other people's aha moments. Mostly kids' aha moments. They're way more fun than adult aha moments. Adult aha moments are fun. aha moments are fun though. Oh yeah, no, those are Right, like those are, so cheers to that. This is why we're friends. Yeah. Because that is like 100%. Either learning or teaching. Like learning new things, figuring out new things or teaching new things. Those are the things that light me up. That's probably the condensed way to say what I just No, you said it much better. You said it much better, more inspirationally. No. Yours yours is yours is the power quote. Mine is the the blurb that they throw. Not at why you've been doing this longer. I love it. I like yours so much better. I think we're both having an I'm not worthy moment. I know. Um like I we're just excited one hundred percent like so respect this woman and and everything that you're doing. It's so badass. Um I learned about you at Las Vegas Concourse in oh. 2019 from Tech Force. Oh. And they were like, you don't know her. You have to know her. And I, like, I'm like, I'm going to know her. We're going to. And then here and we then are. Here we are. <laughs> uh, side note, Tech Force, if you're not familiar yeah. with them, they, no, they are not paying me to say this. Um, they're not a sponsor of this podcast, but uh, they are phenomenal. Um, and they are one of my favorite nonprofits. And you should definitely go check them out because they do some really cool stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, And clearly, they knew that we should be friends. So yeah. they, they're on to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Younger you, would you like, like, I know I have this moment with myself sometimes where I'm like, if you had told me even 10 years ago that this is what my life would look like today, I'd laugh at you. Like, do you think like younger you had any idea that this is what your life was going to look like? No. Younger me was like (laughs) hiding in a library or in a tree somewhere, like, or running around in the forest. Like, <laughs> if I wasn't in the shop with dad, those were the three places that you could probably still not find me because I was hiding from you. Okay. So, like, to know that I have to, like, go and leave my, like, quiet shop to be surrounded by, like, 30,000 people and, like, the actually exist. And- I'm like, no, little me would be like, why? Why are you doing that? There's so many good books to be quiet with at a tree. What are you doing? (laughs) Oh yeah, no. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So given that, do you, do you get stage fright? Like, how did you get over that? Like the being in front of people when your instinct is to go hide in a tree with a book. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's part of what led like me to kind of get pushed into the, like, like I had a drama teacher by me and be like, you're really shy. Let's go make you do this. And I'm like, Oh, "Oh, can I just like conquer your fears? Yeah. I was like, I want to be the tree. Can I just literally let me be the tree? (laughs) Um, But so it ended up being something where I just started to realize that, 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 anxiety and those butterflies and all that, they're just, it's energy. Right. And if you just start propelling it in the right direction. So like 
I like I tell every single person when I come off a stage, like I'm, I'm like, how'd it go? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, did it go well? And they're like, well, well you were there. And I'm like, I don't remember. I don't remember. Well. Like I black out, like I, I permanently memorize it and know it. And then I get up there and it comes out and I have no idea what happened. And I just survived the moment. Like, and, and then I get off the stage and I like shake everyone's hand and I try to just like get to a room to eat some sour worms. And like, we, we might actually be sisters from another mister because I legit, I, but I don't plan it or memorize it. I get up on stage and I start talking and then I get off stage. We were like, I really liked what you said about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I talked about that. Like, <laughs> like I enter an alternate universe and I just and then I don't remember it and it's gone. Like yeah. I am out of body experience. Yeah. People, I don't know if people do this for you, but like people like pull a quote and like put it up with a photo. And I'm like, I said, I said that? that? I think that sounds pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> this is one of those moments, like as a mechanic, I've often had those moments where I meet other female mechanics. And I'm like, oh my God, there's somebody else like me in the world. This is also one of those moments where I'm like, oh my God, there's somebody else like me in the world that like does that same thing. Yeah. You're witnessing it right here live, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> I like it. You can it's like I can extrovert when I have my people. Like, but yes. then everything else, I'm like, yeah, super introvert. Super, super watcher, introvert. super like yes. observer. And then it's like, but then I can go extrovert hard with my other intros. Like, <laughs> yes, nobody believes me when I say I'm an introvert. <laughs> nobody believes me. Okay. Um, we've gotten off track here. Um, okay, so a question I like to ask: if you it could if you could wave a magic wand and change something, anything about the let's talk about the the makerspace first because that's where you spend a lot of time, mm -hmm. and I think that's the most directly connected to trades, which is what this series is all about. Um, what would it, if you could just boop? and something's changed for, for the better, what would it be? Um, honestly, like I wish that the growth that we kind of saw in that field during COVID, because we all got kind of trapped inside and like had to find our ways to like connect and build community through like social media and all of that had happened sooner mm. because I feel like had it, some of the backslides that have happened in society mm. wouldn't have happened. We oh, would have been further ahead. And I think that we wouldn't be still fighting a lot of the same, same fights that we're fighting right now because that community is so beautifully coming together and strengthening and really starting to level that out that had that same connectivity happen when the internet first started, you know, when we were just all sharing weird, weird aim, sad emo lyrics, you know, instead, if we had been connecting and sharing our skills and our making, yeah, maybe we would be there a little, little faster, but there's do so you, much beauty there. Do you feel like it's staying? So that kind of started during COVID. Is it staying as strong or is it slipping away now that people can go out into their world again? I think that there's a lessening of the impact with regards to like people seeing it online, but there's a growth with the community being in person. Okay. Um, I do worry that now because it's become kind of this buzzword and this very profitable thing, mm -hmm. we're getting a large growth of 
potential places for you to go. And it's kind of like what you guys fought against with the she shed, bringing everyone together. So you guys right. weren't competing for people's attention. There's so many events now that are happening that you are starting to see that community get pulled divided. and divided. And in some ways it's good because they're experiencing mm -hmm. new things, but it's like, you're like, I want, I want my reunion. Like, so I want, right. I want my people to come back yeah. together. And so luckily, you know, hopefully we'll always have, the interwebs. Yeah. Um, but. Okay. Yeah. What and, about you? What would you do? Oh, geez. Oh. <laughs> I can't speak for the makerspace because I'm not, I'm, I, I need to what be more the in the maker community. Yeah, hey, world, come in the do it. In the automotive world. Um, what would I get rid of in the, or change in the automotive world? Um, oof. So how long do we have? I've got a long <laughs> list. Um, no, but if I could only change one thing. Um, Self-respect. Mm. I think one of the big things that the automotive industry struggles with is, is respecting itself mm. and therefore doesn't demand the respect that it deserves from others. And I think, you know, I see it from young technicians. I, I, I remember a, tech, a conversation I had with a technician who worked at a shop around the corner from my old shop and, and it was, he told me how much he was getting paid. And I was like, whoa. Like, how long have you been in the industry? He's like, seven years, but I'm I'm just a newbie. I don't know anything. And I'm like, you've been in the industry seven years. You're not a newbie. You yeah. work on high-end BMWs and Mercedes. You should be getting paid more than that. And he's like, yeah, but I'm just a nobody. And there's a lot of that, like, self-deprecating lack of respect, I think, within the trades. And I think a lot of that comes from society not respecting us. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up with it with my, my older cousin was the only one in my family who was in to the trades and um and he was basically told that he was he was worthless and and that this was the only thing that he could be good at his in his life and so there's a lot of that negativity and I'd love I'd love to see that go away where where trades folks respect themselves mm -hmm. enough that they demand the respect that they deserve I like that I think I think a lot of people could benefit from that yeah I think that's everybody no. but I think the trades like particularly the trades really especially. struggles yeah. from it yeah. Sorry to get all deep there. No, um, I love it. I love deep. Like, I know, me too. <laughs> um, okay. Um, let's see. In across the things that you do as a woman, you've, you know, you're in the engineer space, mm -hmm. you've been in the maker space, uh -huh. you've been in the TV space, you've mm -hmm. been in the the makers on TV space. Mm -hmm. Right. These are all like very different fields, right? And um, they're very different careers and there's very different attitudes towards women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> In the engineer space, you said it was like 23%. Yeah. Right. Um, automotive were 2% across yeah. the trades. It's generally less than 5% yep. across the trades. Um, makerspace. It's, it's pretty low. Um, it's getting better at some of the events. Um, and it, it, because maker really to me is like renaissance, right? Like it's yeah. like they've recoined what we've always known, but it's people that are willing to dabble in everything. So because there's a lot more of those artistic versus fabrication skills also intermingled, right. you get a really nice kind of balance, okay. but at the events, it does tend more masculine. masculine. Yeah. Do you find any of those sub communities more or less accepting or open or welcoming towards women? Have you found particular communities to be more or less so than others? 
I would say within the maker community, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I even remember when we first started having like sewing stuff, the guys being worried about coming in and they're like, well, can I, like, I want to come in and learn. And you're yeah. like, yeah, everyone comes. Okay. You know? So I, I think it's actually the, what I love about the maker scene is it's all about skill sharing. There's no ego. Like no one is an expert. Like if you were, if you were an expert, you wouldn't be calling yourself a maker. You'd be calling yourself whatever the actual equivalent was in okay. that field. Interesting. Okay. And so for, uh, for you to be considering yourself a maker, you're the hobbyist, you're the garage person. Huh. You're, you might be an expert in a totally different thing, but today you're learning how to forge steel, even though you're a certified electrician, right? Like, okay. so you, you put all of that, that side crap aside and you just embrace it. Um, and so I've found that if anything, it's been more, more inviting, but again, yeah. it's also because a lot of these events, they're, they're loose They're It's not, they're not courses you're coming into. Sure. It's not, there's not a competitive side to it. It's everyone messing it, it up and trying to figure their way through it, you know? And I think you'd really enjoy it. You I would. I mean, that, I'm like, that nice. feels like the culture at girl gang garage. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, where we're all just figuring it out together and yeah. learning and maybe experts at one thing, but learning something different. That's interesting. Exactly. So in comparison to engineering, you feel like makerspace more accepting? Oh yeah. Way okay. more. Yeah. No, engineering is definitely a very competitive, like people know their exact little niche and they're in it and they want to challenge every single little thing. Um, even if their, their perspective is very narrowed. So interesting yeah do you feel do you miss it all the being an engineering full-time in in that sort of like you were doing before you went off for your year of teaching and um I had <laughs> I had the joy of doing really impactful large-scale global projects you know I knew every day that I was working you know 90 hour work weeks to quote save babies and and yeah. make vaccines and do all of that. Um, I don't miss having to prove day in and day out that I had a right to be there just because I was female. Um, that part of it I don't miss, but I do miss, I miss the teams. I miss having the budgets for research and the support teams <laughs> and, and having those think tanks yeah. that only really come with that. You know, I am like, I may be an introvert, but I, thrive when I can pick people's brains and I can learn from them. And I think that you get a lot more access to education when you're in a, you know, job, whether it's, you know, a, a white collar, blue collar, if you're under a company sure. fold, um, I do miss that. <coughs> Bless you. But, um, I don't know. I, I think I still get so much of the things that I loved in engineering and what I do. Yeah. Um, and I don't have to deal with the stuff I didn't anymore. I do miss the paycheck, <laughs> but he doesn't. It's interesting because that's a really like similar kind of um, sentiment that I've, I've heard from the automotive side of things and like women who wind up going and starting their own businesses or going off and doing their own thing. Or like even, you know, myself going off and doing things independently. Like there's, there's things that I really miss about, the community and being like working in it professionally. And, and yet there's this, like the exhaustion of having to fight that fight every single, every day. single day. Like it's just, it's such a challenge. And I find myself 
like struggling. I, I, I've gotten a handful of calls recently even from women, but I feel like it's this constant thing from women saying like, I'm thinking of leaving the industry. I'm so frustrated. I'm like, I'm just tired of fighting and I'm finding it really hard to encourage them to stay because I get it. Like it is that hard. And so it's interesting that that's the same story across, even in an industry like engineering where it's 23%, which is way more than 2% yeah. <laughs> within the automotive world. And like, it is exhausting. I, I remember one of my employees at my old shop, young, very, very talented female technician. She, I mean, she was just a ph phenomenally talented technician, period. She happened to be female. Um, but we got interviewed for a newspaper article at one point, and they asked her what, what it was like working for a female boss. And the main thing that she said, and it just struck me, was, I get to just do my job. And it was like, that is, that's it. Like, yeah. that's all we want. We just want to do I our job. We love do our, my job. Like you love, you miss the engineering. You don't miss the rest of the BS. Yeah. There's so many things that like we love, but we don't miss the BS. And it's, it's interesting and sad that it's still, even in, in engineering where it's 23%, that it's still the same, same story. And I do wonder sometimes, cause you know, I've had talks with my dad about like his military career and, mm -hmm. and he echoes kind of those same issues. So I don't know that you know, maybe the the struggle to just get to all do our jobs and not deal with the BS is, yeah. is a universal maybe. one, you know? Maybe. Um, but I do, I do definitely think that women, as we said earlier, are quicker to be like, no, I'm done yeah. and, and walk away. Well, I think we also have an extra layer. Like I, I agree that men have all of the same issues, male technicians in the automotive space, yeah. male construction workers, trades folks, whatever, like they have the same issues. Women just have an additional, additional like yes. an extra layer of crap that they have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, well, but yeah, it's like going from being both breadwinner and Betty Crocker to only having to be breadwinner would be nice. You know, <laughs> um, that would be very nice. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So avid collector of skills that you avid are. Collector of skills. Um, is there a skill that you have yet to collect that you are dying to? Like, what is on your your hit list, your wish list of, like, things I want to learn? There's so many. So many. There's so <laughs> many. But actually, I, I, right now, in my shop, have a oven from American Rotary Oven that enables me to heat up and place little glass beads on blown glass. Ooh. And I have no idea how to blow glass or to do that. I took a workshop once. It was really fun. Oh, I want to learn how There's to a place blow in town glass. That teaches glass blowing. I'll take you. Okay. Okay. And then we can play with that oven because I want that is like <laughs> I, I got the oven right before COVID. Everything shut down. My makerspace shut down. So it's literally still in the box. I cannot wait to open it. I'm going to be able to cast jewelry and be Amazing. able to like blow glass. So nice. Um, I, I want to, the glass blowing is something I've wanted to do for a really long I time. I would like to figure out how to get paid to just constantly learn new things. Right. Like, that's what I would like to do. I would just learn to learn new things day in and day out and get paid for it. Yes. Yes. Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What time is it? Uh, oh, it, we're over. Oh no. All right. Sorry guys. I've kept you guys over the hour. This always <laughs> happens. This needs to be like a two hour show, but that would be too long and too boring. Sorry. That'd no, we can't so do that. Um, but um, <laughs> I so appreciate you hanging out and spending this time with me and sharing your story with everybody. Yeah. You're thanks for having phenomenal. Me. I you're hope, phenomenal. No, you're phenomenal. 
<laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed getting to know Tamara as much as I did. Um, I'm obviously going to continue hanging out with her because she lives here in Phoenix now. Yay. So who knows? There may be more pro projects and collaborations in the future. Who knows? We'll just have to see. Maybe we'll have some posts about glass blowing and jewelry oh, yeah. making and stuff in the future. But anywho, thank you guys for hanging out and uh, spending part of your evening with us. Make sure you come back next week because we have another incredible tradeswoman to hang out with. And of course, remember every Monday I release an archive episode from this series's past life as uh, Trades Lady Happy Hour, which used to live on Instagram. So two times a week you get to hang out with uh, with me and an awesome tradeswoman on the With Her Two Hands series. Um, make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, leave comments, make sure more people get to hear and meet these incredible women and hear their stories and, and be inspired and empowered by them. Uh, this, is, this is all about shining a light on all of these amazing women who do such awesome things within these, these fields and just so often do not get uh, their, their, <laughs> their praises <laughs> sung. So um, thank you guys for helping me celebrate them. Uh, great to see so many familiar faces. Those of you who are new here, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, come back next week. And until next time, be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. We'll see you later. Bye.